Before we get started, an advertisement from our friends. Hey there! I'm Dungeon Master Dick, and I've got a group of players with me here traveling through space. <laughs> My name is Cleo DeCamp, and I'm here to blow it up, show it up, and then eat it up. Nick <laughs> Bear, there's pride in your work, and then there's Eric. The name is Herodotus, Arthurian Mendelroth III, if you're seven. <laughs> Pardon her, she was raised in the wild. I may be a bear, but I weren't raised by one. But she's a damn crafty one with some explosives. You might say she's a TNT with the dynamite. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, you two are at it again. Well, if anyone needs anything cut up or any hearts or brains removed, remember, Dr. Z. Here's my card. Yes. And you've already had yours removed, have you? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got him in my bucket. <laughs> so if you want to listen to a motley crew, an ornery old military man, a floating jellyfish in a robotic suit, and a tall, explosive-wielding bear, then come listen to us, the Backwater Bastards, anywhere where you find yes. good podcasts. From Planet to Parallax. And on Spotify. What's that? No, no. I wasn't there when it happened, but I'm glad that it did. <laughs> you see, I was just a, a captain of a tour ship back then, showing people solid void so they could tell the interior folks they'd seen the wilds. <laughs> you know, tourists. But ever since then, well, let's just say I saw an opportunity to capitalize on my previous experience. I set up a business installing defensive and communication networks along the outskirts, and let's just say, <laughs> business is a-booming. Welcome back, fellow traveler, to Good Better Quest. Join us as we go on a long errand. good better side quest called a long errand i as always am your fungin monger nolan lacy here to play a tabletop rpg with my friends and with us is our illustrious guest nicola the druid please introduce yourself again you keep getting nicer with these and i don't understand it hi <laughs> i'm nicola and um i'm playing raquel the adorable psychic who lied her way here as all good psychics do yeah took from my own life <laughs> doug all right so i'm doug and i'm playing jake lucas and uh he is a he is a man with secrets and a stolen object in his guts and i am david hallman playing hagen young Flying robot space 
Nope. Robot guy flying in space, master pilot crashing like an ace. Terrible. That was really you good. You got to the end, I guess. Did I, you intend like, to have the voice? Because you didn't. <clears throat> I did not. Okay, good. Should I have? In fact, no. I should. I should no. because I should do that again because it was terrible. <laughs> I mean, whatever floats your goat. Hagen Young, robot boy, out in space, master pilot ace. <laughs> that's as good as we're gonna get. That's that's, that's the okay. best I can do. I need to write <laughs> these down before I do them. <laughs> Last session, we left off with a small computer introducing themselves to the group, and they addressed Crumb and said, "Hello." I am the Personal Logistics Operations Terminal. Are these your prisoners, Oracle? Crumb can't really point to himself since he doesn't have fingers, but he takes one of his big Tesla coils and he, he puts it on his chest and he turns and he looks at everybody and he looks back at the computer. Are you... Are you referring... Me? No, I'm not... Oracle? What are you talking about? I'm... I'm... Not an Oracle. The terminal clicks and makes some noises that could be construed for affirmation. An oracle has requested their title be altered. What would you prefer to be called? My, my name. My name is Crumb. Please just call me Crumb. I don't know what all this weird oracle stuff is. After Crumb clarifies his point and makes his introduction, the terminal makes more of the same clicking sounds, and it begins to float around each of the party members, never really getting in the way, but hovering close to everybody as you go about your business. While you can tell it isn't taking scans of your body, you assume it's making notes of new visitors and documenting it in the ship's databanks. You hear more of the same clicks from earlier each time it finishes hovering around each one of you. While it's doing that, can I, like, intentionally try and read Crumb's thoughts and see if he's telling the truth or if he, this is a cover? Absolutely. Give me a willpower roll. Cool. That's a thing I love doing. Because I'm so good at rolling. Eight. You can't fully hear his thoughts. You're not able to, to jump into his mind. But you can get his emotions very strong. And he is confused and a little scared. Okay. Crumb turns to look at you, though. Because you are the only other psychic. And he hovers over to you and gets real close. He puts his, like, a couple of his little front tentacles onto your arm so that he's he's touching your, your hand, actually making contact with your skin. Ah! And <laughs> he, he makes a direct link with you, psychically, having heard you do that. When I know we're in a safe spot, we can talk. I, I need to make sure that this isn't what I'm worried it is, but... I'm not entirely sure we're safe. And when I know we are, I will give you as much of an explanation as I possibly can. I respond back telepathically. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Raquel doesn't know what to think right now. Like, it's literally her first time off planet and this is happening. She, what the? What the fuck is <laughs> happening? What the fuck is that? So from where you guys are standing... Your eyes follow the curve of the floor up as it becomes the wall, 
and eventually the ceiling of the ship, and you're momentarily overcome with a sense of vertigo by being able to see all of the ship at once. And you all begin to realize you're standing on the inside of what is essentially a large paper towel roll. A perfectly cylindrical ship. After that feeling passes, you notice that there are nine large walls jutting into the interior of the ship, but you quickly realize that they are the same color as the exterior of the ship you saw previously, and that they're not walls, they're pillars. Two of them are close to you, three of them are inside this dark band inside the ship, and two are on the other end of the ship at the same latitudes as the one closest to you. Looking up and far off into the distance, you can see that same thick dark band that had three of these pillars, and it rings the interior of the ship. Threaded throughout this band are small slivers of white which seem to bounce against the interior walls of this ocean. Suddenly, you have the realization that these are white caps of giant waves. The sense of vertigo returns as you understand that there are millions of cubic gallons of water that are suspended several hundred kilometers above you. Now given your limited knowledge of this ship, when you look at the pillars inside the ocean, you can tell that they are easily tens of kilometers tall each, and they form the points of a giant triangle in this ocean. Far, far off in the distance, at the opposite end of the ship, it feels like the sky is on fire. The warm yellow haze of an artificial sun fills up the entire wall. You feel like a moth staring into a giant flashlight a thousand leagues away. As you let the heat of this sun wall warm your face, something about this artificially lit landscape doesn't sit well with any of you. No one at first really puts their finger on what it is, but it seems unnatural. Giant cylinder spaceship aside, there's something about this light that just doesn't feel right. Suddenly, you realize the reason that the landscape looks so flat is because there aren't any shadows on any of the walls or any of these pillars. The massive artificial sun at the far edge of the ship is illuminating the room but casting no shadows, and you begin to understand that there are no shadows because there must be two points of light pointing at each other. One at the far end of the ship, and one here, almost directly above you. If you look back and up, you all realize that you're standing almost underneath the other light. The terminal comes back to the center of the group and addresses you all again. Welcome aboard the ship, everyone. You have entered Edabotany Bay, one of 21 similar intake bays aboard the ship. You are free to move around now. However, please do not cause any trouble, as the authorities will have to be notified. Moving in any direction from the landing bay, you will inevitably encounter locals. Please do not disturb them as they go about their business, as their work is very important to continuing ship function. After the terminal finishes their speech, it stays floating prone where it is, clearly waiting to provide assistance if any is needed. Hi. Yes. Um. What the fuck? What? What? What is? Have locals and prisoners and Crumb is the Oracle and what? Sorry. Let me reverse that. What the fuck? <laughs> the seconded. <laughs> the little terminal zips over to Hagen. Your friend Crumb is not the Oracle. 
he is one of many oracles. The locals on this ship are of Generation 1572. It is the only existence they have ever known. To them, you are coming from outside their known universe. You may be startling. As for the fuck, I am uncertain. <laughs> Nolan, can I try to hack the the plot device? You should. I don't. I don't could, see why you could, would. But you should do it confidently, because that did not sound confident. Mm -mm, <laughs> I would mm -mm, like back to up. hack yeah. the plot device, which is all I'm going to call him anymore. You you can absolutely try to hack him. I'm going to yes. need you to give me an intelligence roll. Oh my god. Okay. You're not going to believe me. So I rolled an 8, plus my intelligence is 2. It's 10. I am not going to level up. And I don't need to. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hagen, you pull out your multiversal um, connection. It doesn't appear like there is a port on this device that you've seen. However, as you move forward, you're holding this, you're holding the, the multiversal plug, and a hole on top seems to shape into the shape of your plug. Oh no. Oh no, it wants to be hacked. Mm. You plug it in mm. and you're in the white room. Nolan, can I I meant to put I meant to tell you this the other day. I don't know I don't know if you've thought about this, but I, I want you to feel free to run with it. If there is something that is on par or smarter then Hagen, they have control over that room too. They could have mm. more control over it. Ooh. Yeah. So like just just like a the fucking, you know, Jacker or the sh the first ship whatever, but like the Manticore or this I thing, say I don't know. Necessarily the Manticore wasn't smarter than you. Okay. Like, it, it didn't it's it's still a ship. It's got a ship's computer, and I would say that you know a sentient robot is is probably on par, if not yeah, more intelligent than the ship's computer. Okay. However, this one is extremely more. <laughs> yeah. So you're in the white room, and your your chair turns to the color of your eyes, and you sit down. And as you sit down, but there's not another Hagen sitting across from you. In fact, there's not even another chair. As you're observing, the floor in the white room turns to the obsidian black of the ship and encompasses the entire room. And a shape vaguely like Crumb emerges from the ground. Is there any more assistance I can give you? I can communicate much faster in this fashion. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> the floating crumb-like specter floats a little closer to you and it puts some of its tentacles onto your knees and it gets down and no you, no 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 you think no, it's no, looking no, no, at no. you like a child and just goes i am still uncertain of the fuck oh okay so uh, who who are the locals Show me a manifest of the locals. 
the room around you, very much like the Matrix, but not just random letters and numbers flying up the screen, a, a manifest of thousands of names floods the walls of the room. Just up. And you can see... They're more designations than names. I mean, they're not really like, you know, it's not like Lacey, Matthew Nolan, you know, whatever. It's it's, it's more like species and a number or something like that. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And the computer says, will this be sufficient? Yes. I would like to download this, I guess. Okay. The, the computer glows a really bright green after you decide to download it and starts transferring tons of data into your, your data banks, Hagen. And this is going to take a minute for you to collect all of it. As you're downloading all of this data, Crumb turns to Jake and Raquel. I think we need to make contact with the captain of this ship or whoever's in charge. Uh, I think you guys are in for a surprise, so we need to go and get as many supplies from the ship as we can. Do you guys know of anything off the top of your head that you're going to need? It sounds like there's people to interact with. We might be able to trade and get stuff later, but I don't want to be caught unprepared. Jake is going to look at Raquel, and he's just going to he's going to think at her because he knows she's psychic, and um, he's going to think at her. So uh, so Jake looks at Raquel and like like raises his eyebrows like I I need to talk to you, but in like a uh you know real like low key secretive sort of way like wicker worker with okay. the eyebrows. I open my, open my brain. The image that you get is of like a bright red flash in in his belly, um, like a bright red loud flash. If that makes sense, and also the um, the the sort of a command of shh. So like you get this bright red danger flash, loud red of light, a uh, red color. Around his belly and a shh. Like, don't say anything. And Raquel kind of like slowly, so it looks like she's just looking, nods her head in a, like to acknowledge it. Right on. As you guys are communicating telepathically, Crum starts slowly to just float back to the ship. He meets up with Captain Calvin, and they're they're having a conversation, and you can see that Crumb is essentially saying to Calvin the same thing that he said to you. They they go into the ship, and you, you start hearing essentially like cartoon hammer noises. There's like a jackhammer and a screwdriver and a, a pneumatic wrench and all this stuff going on. You don't you don't know where all that's coming from, but you do hear it coming out of the the cabin, and. Crumb just comes and, and lays himself down, so all four of his Tesla coils are sitting on the hull and seems to just rest. He closes his one eye and, and waits for you guys to get what you need before he does anything else. If I'm, like, making a list of things that I want to, like, gather before we leave is um, if I can get a if I can get a look at what the locals are wearing, I'd want to pick up some clothes that were like of the sort that folks are wearing there like is there is there evidence of that of people on the ship i'm gonna tell you something 
clothes aren't going to make you look like the people on the ship. Okay. Um, All right. That's that's not to say that having different disguises isn't going to be to your benefit. Okay. I dig. Well, then I'm not going to worry about disguise stuff. I'm just going to worry about like just keeping myself alive and alert and resting on my cultural knowledge. Hagen, after a couple of minutes, the, the manifest of the ship is in your databanks, and the, the specter backs off a little bit, takes that connection away, and the room goes back to being just obsidian black, and it rests over in the same area that the chair should be, but isn't, and asks if there's any more information that you would like before disconnecting. Hagen's going to try something. Uh, yes, the last thing I will require is top access within the ship. I I can roll something if you want. So I know it's a big thing. Or I cannot roll anything. And you can just give it to him. And you can yeah, just I give like it to one. me. Yeah, That's my like favorite that. thing. <laughs> we're three out of... I mean, we're three for three on that, really. Which, if you look at the rules... This ship was originally green. Again, black and green. Very old CRT monitor-esque. As you try and access this top-class information, everything turns red. And the ship says, Information classified as Oracle level shall not be authorized to anyone under Oracle class. Access to these files is prohibited and unauthorized attempts to access them will result in system shutdown. Aiken's out. He 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 knows that if systems shut down while he's inside, if you die in the game, you die in real life. Um, he he is out of there, uh, and then he acts like nothing happened as he's walking away from the plot device. <laughs> the Manticore is disabled. You guys aren't going to be able to fly around in this ship. And this again, the ship is huge. The Manticore is only 70 meters long. This is 700 kilometers in uh, diameter. So, I mean, it's enormous. Calvin pokes her head outside of the cabin window, and there's there's already grease on her face, and she's holding up a pneumatic grill, and she looks at everybody down on the, the ground level and says, All right, everyone, listen up. It's going to take me a while to get any of these systems online. There's something interfering with, I think, the reactor. That seems to be the main problem outside of all the, well, the rest of the problems. Most of the systems that stayed intact look like they should be operational, but they're just not getting power for some reason. Batteries seem to work, but I can't guarantee that will last. So if you want tools or anything, I'd say find a full battery and put it in your pack. If you're going to find some locals, figure out what's going on and see if we can get some help getting the ship started again. What what kind of batteries are we we talking? Double A's, triple A's, D, you know, a C. Watch batteries C work batteries? really well. The the thirty two volt, the little ones you could probably watch get. Watch batteries. Yeah. <laughs> the ship you know, the runs on ones. watch batteries that yeah. you can you can swallow. Teeny tiny disc ones, and you never no, can. No, no. Oh, and they fall in the floor, and you're fucked because you're not finding that thing. No, no, no. Your yeah. watch that you'll never know how long it was there. <laughs> Raquel, the ship does not run on watch batteries. It runs on one watch battery. <laughs> oh, singular. Singular. Okay. Yeah. 
Okay. It's the most efficient ship ever. Wow. Calvin ducks back into the cabin and, and you hear the noises again. And is there anything that you guys from the ship want to grab before you head out? Because if you don't, we're, we're, we can start exploring this ship. But if, you, if, if there's a specific thing that you feel you need, you should grab it now. If there's an easy way to grab a few extra batteries, like I'd say maybe four or five extra batteries that he can stow in all his pockets because he doesn't have any gear in there anymore. You come in to the deck and you see Calvin and she's she's like double fisting drills and she's pulling components out. She's looking at them and she's shoving them back in and she's going, oh God, it looks like they overloaded the ODN conduits. It looks like I'm going to have to reroute this back through the warp coil. I can't believe that we didn't bring enough Tritanium to make sure that we could replace all of these components and she turns around and sees you and yes that was my Star Trek ramble and (laughs) she says hey Jake there's a storage cabinet over by the entrance you know where to find it if there's anything you might find useful feel at liberty to grab it (laughs) I don't think we're going to be space worthy anytime soon so if you want supplies they're yours Alright, so um, he's going to go to the cabinet, he's going to get as many batteries as he can comfortably carry, I'll let you decide like what that, what that seems like. Um, also, if there's anything that is good for currency, um, or good for trade, um, like he'll want to grab some of that too, like if there's any like fittings that are made of a particular metal, or if there's any like, um, you know, a particular adhesive, or a particular antibiotic, or a partic- you know, something that's in there that might be, that he could like have street value for. Uh, I'd say he fills one pocket with that. And I would like to say that Raquel goes and follows him, but also is stopping at Jacker. So continue with him, but Raquel's following him. Okay. The 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 cabinet opens that you open, Jake, and there there are the batteries, there are emergency supplies, uh, there's a, a med kit, and there's there is stuff that you can use as trading, but you don't really know the culture here is. You don't know what's going to be mm-hmm, important. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, what what you do is you just you have your nice big cargo pockets and you start filling them with a couple of different things. Um, mechanically, you're just going to have an extra ply. I wanted to say load. You're, you're going to have three extra supply for when you Ooh. are able to trade. Sweet. And we'll say like five batteries. You grab five okay. batteries and a med kit. Sweet. So, Raquel, you're standing on the bridge, and Jacker is patiently waiting for his, his good, good friend Hagen to come back. And he's very much like a little a little dog just pacing back and forth and he's circling around. He's got his little crab legs out and his, his little led lights are looking back and forth, trying to find Hagen. And as you approach, they focus, focus is a a hard word for LEDs. They look at you and stop moving and it sits down and just looks at you like a little dog. Um, Don't you hurt my fucking boy. I, I'm literally sitting here with a cat on my lap. I'm not going to hurt your puppy. Don't you hurt my pupper. I just want to assess or see if it's like it's it's because also we never addressed Jacker. So none of us know what he's doing there. 
and I want to know, I want to see if maybe using the history of my family, knowing what my family can do, if I can see if this is like transmitting our location or seeing its purpose. And I feel like this would fall under my survival skill. I, I mean, this, this one I will give you because you grew up in this family seeing devices like this. You know exactly what this device can do. However, Hagen did have an interaction with it that he disabled communications to this entire sector. Raquel does not know that though. So you see it and you know it's got a communicator on it. You know it's got a self-destruct device in it. You know it's got this uh, GPS, that's not, you know, the uh, UPS locator device in it, a universal uh, placement system. So you know what it is capable of. Do you want to disable it? Do you want to talk to it? Do you want to do anything? Do you want to talk to Hagen? I think Raquel, like, now that she's taken a moment to look at it, knows what it does, and knows... Remember seeing Hagen having it. She's just going to, like, good boy, and then run off to follow Jake uh, to get a battery because she thinks that she's supposed to get a battery um, and is keeping it in her mind to address this with Hagen to find out what was going on because she doesn't want to mess with anything until she gets the whole picture. When when she's approaching the cabinet... Um like she's coming toward the cabinet as Jake is leaving he stops just long enough to like keep the door propped open and point to the shelf with the good batteries um, and also <laughs> also also to point out if there's another med kit in there that maybe that's a good thing for her to grab but then then but he doesn't tell her business he's just look the good stuff's right here and then he leaves cool I take those so you grab a couple of batteries and a, and a med kit as you turn around Calvin is, she's laid her tools that she was using on top of the, the control panel on the, the captain's chair. And she's turned around and she approaches you. And she pulls out an enormous bowie knife, a, a huge bowie knife. And she, she flips it in her hand and grabs it by the, the blade and hands it to you handle first and says, Jake seems like a, a pretty shifty guy. Seems like he's going to be able to sneak away. And Hagen is a robot who seems fairly indestructible after what we just saw him do. I'm not worried about your capabilities, but I do want to make sure that should you get into any mix, you have the ability to get out. And this has gotten me out of more than one situation, so I figure it might help. Wow. It's huge. Uh, thanks. I will use it if I have to. She kind of like awkwardly smiles like Ugh. Ripley puts her, her hand on your shoulder and goes you don't have to use it to attack anyone. That type of knife can be used as a tool. If you need to use it for anything else, just remember that. Okay, good. And she, she gives you a little wink and she turns around and continues working on the captain's chair. Hagen, is there anything you want to grab from the ship? I want to grab some things. Okay. I want to grab batteries. Okay. Just extra batteries and put them in my tummy compartment. 
I want to go to the fucking shattered remains of the ship that I crashed into the cargo bay and I want to break out the um, targeting computer mm. and I also want to take my good good boy Jacker the the cabinet that Raquel and Jake got their batteries from is empty now there's there's nothing, nothing oh, left okay. in it but there are others along the ship this is a big freighter are there any pistols in that cabinet? Because I just realized I have zero weapons. Like, none. There are not, all. but we can resolve that. Okay. You get onto the bridge, and you start beelining for the door, and Jacker just immediately falls at your heel, like the good little dog that he is. You make your way through the, the corridors. There's a couple that are blocked off that you thought you could get down just because the manticore collapsed coming onto the ship that you're on now. But you do make your way back to the landing pad that the ship you were fighting in is now currently a smoldering ruin on. As you get there, there are cargo pods that are open. There's some cabinets that are open. You can see that there are a lot of supplies that are, are free for grabs. You definitely find some batteries, and there's... This wasn't a military ship. This also wasn't, like, a military cargo ferrying trip. So there's not, like the fucking laser from the fifth element where it's got machine guns and rockets and freezing yeah. technology, you know, but you do see, um, plenty of, of laser pistols. I mean, they, they resemble very much the pistol that is on Jake's security officer's badge. Uh, I'll take two of those. Okay. So you, you grab two of those. Do you just throw them into your tummy or do you try and like put them onto belts oh, no, like I... a gunslinger? I take two of the most useless tools I have, throw them in my tummy, and put the pistols on my tool belt. Nice. Very um, cool. As you turn around, the the ship that is there, it's it's very broken. The wings are broken. The engine is just in shambles. There's there's lots of wires and sparks, and and, and it's in a bad shape. But this type of ship essentially has a black box that houses its computer. And, Hagen, you know how to get there. Do you want to just scrap it, or do you want to jack into it and see if if the computer will give you any more assistance? I guess I'll jack into it and try and see if it, it can eject. Is that another hijack roll? Uh, for this, you've or... already hijacked into it. you And it's, okay. it's on its last legs. You don't have to roll for it. So you... You come to the Tell white room. Tell me about the rabbits, Hagen. Um. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. You, you come to the white room, and the other Hagen in the chair, now it doesn't have the full ship. You know, when you were fighting, you saw the whole starfighter on its head. And now it is simply just the black box sitting on the other Hagen body. And it turns to you and just says, I'm trying to give the ship a name, but I'm, I'm so bad at giving ship names. What, what do you want to call it? Brian. The ship turns to you and says, Well, hey there, brother. Brian is ready to assist. <laughs> I want to I'm giving the macho man Brian Savage. The ship. I'm here to help, brother. I, well. I accept that. I do want to just say I chose Brian because we came to the Manticore for the name because of a ninja sex party song. And so it was just like, <laughs> Brian. yeah, Ninja Brian. Ninja Brian doesn't talk. 
All right, that's fair. Still, though. <laughs> Hello. Can you assist me in ejecting from the ship and coming with me? You see two little lights, kind of kind of like eyes on Brian's head. Spark. They don't stay on. They just flash and disappear. And outside, the, the black box just pops out and is available for you to grab. And Brian says, I'm on the outside, brother. Grab what you need. Thank you. Jack's out, takes the black box. But Jack into Jacker real quick. You're back in the white room, and Jacker has fully embodied this, this personality of a dog, but it's still another Hagen sitting in the other chair, and you see him, like, wiggling his butt. And he's just sitting there looking at you, and he goes, Hi, Hagen. It's nice to talk to you again. How are you doing? W what can I help with? Hello, Jacker. Do you by any chance have any West weapon system capabilities besides self-destruct? Give me another intelligence roll. Just straight intelligence? If you have something you think you can add to it, if you have a skill that might help you discern what this device is capable of, add or re-roll the dice. I rolled a six and a one plus intelligence would be nine, but I want the full shit. So I'm going to reroll this one. What skill are I'm you using? I'm using tech. tech. Okay. Nolan. That is a 14 total. Oh my God. Damn. Woo! You know everything I... about everything. I am I am never using these dice for anything but this game. <laughs> I'm pretty sure one of them is a Yahtzee dice. <laughs> Yahtzee! Yeah. As you're sitting there, Jacker's eyes just brighten up. And he says, I don't currently have any weapons, but I have the capability to modify into anything that you want. Do you, do you have a targeting computer? Do you have lasers you can attach to me? I can carry them. Is that what you want me to do? Damn. Okay, now he's sounding desperate. Well, I mean, he's a puppy dog. It's... He can't help it. Yeah. He smells treats. Jacker, that is exactly what I would like to do. So I'm going to put one of the lasers on him. and Like, I'm, I'm going to... Put the targeting computer in him, David. I'll put the, I put the targeting computer on him. Jacker does something that usually less sophisticated devices can't do when you're jacked in. And he jacks out. He cuts the connection. He's, he's very excited. As, oh boy. As you jack out, you see Jacker turn to the starship and jumps on and he uses the, the little drill that he had that he was connected to the manticore with and starts ripping off parts of the ship and he's he's jumping and he's flying from piece to piece and you just see components and devices flying out and in front of you there's like four lasers from the starship and he runs around and he grabs them and he connects them to himself and you see this whole new set of lights light up on the targeting computer the lasers go through a couple of targeting exercises you see them move in different directions and now he's got four lasers attached to him. 
that you can use to attack from a distance. Damn, son. I just became a ranger, y'all. <laughs> yeah, you did. I got a, I got yeah, a fucking did. animal companion. Y'all seen that Boston Dynamics dog? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah fuck that dog. That. Fuck that oh, dog. Imagine mm -hmm. that, but with, like... Mm -hmm. oh, that's terrifying. The, Some metalhead. anti-air mm -hmm. <laughs> gun on it. Yeah, so Jacker runs up to your heels and just and rubs into your heels and, and looks up at you with a big LED smiley face. Jacker, you are a good, good boy. <laughs> the LEDs just flash. Yes. <laughs> now he's got like one of those belt buckles that like slides like <laughs> the LED shows text words. slides through. It. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Eight foot vertical leap. <laughs> is there anything else that you want to grab from the ship, or is everybody good to, to maneuver out? Good to I maneuver probably out. grabbed too much. Jake and Raquel, you're waiting with Crum. Crum is Crum has been quiet this whole time. Hagen, as you come out with the newly modified Jacker, everybody looks at him, and Jacker just he's just so proud. He's just so proud and excited. Crum turns to everybody and sighs, which again is very weird because he 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 deflates a little bit. He's he's this little man of war thing. So his his Volume can change fairly easily, and you see him get kind of sad. He calls out, Terminal, can you take us to the closest town or village or gathering? Can, can we meet some of the locals? I, I get the feeling introductions are in order. Of course, Oracle. It is one of my many functions on this ship. The little spherical terminal falls off the ship and starts floating towards a not well-trodden path, but you can see that it's a break in the trees around you. And Crumb begins to float after it. You guys are moving through this ship, and outside of looking up and seeing that you're in a cylinder, there's nothing that would indicate that this wasn't a planet. There's soil, there's trees, there's wildlife, but you can't seem to get close to any of it. it. It seems to want to stay away from you. The party crests a hill, and at the bottom of it is a largely spread out, but simple village. It's not rudimentary, but it would be considered pre-industrial by most species standards. You see creatures moving about their day, performing duties, seemingly moving with purpose. On inspection, you do see that the creatures of this village are bipedal, but clearly not humanoid but also not aggressive. There goes the baker with his tray like always. See, <laughs> you went that way. I went Minecraft villagers. <laughs> the, the terminal stops and, and it doesn't have to turn around because it's a sphere, but it stops in front of you. I will depart here. My presence does unsettle the villagers from time to time. They are not used to advanced technology. When you introduce yourselves, please make sure you do it with the utmost caution. If my presence is required again, find an empty space and call out my designation and I will appear. What is your designation? As I have stated previously, I am the Personal Logistics Operations Terminal. Can we give you a shorter name? Absolutely. What would you like to call me? 
asshole. <laughs> the terminal glows and changes colors and responds to you. Whenever you are alone and shout asshole, I will appear for you. <laughs> yes. I was just, I was waiting for it to be like, we're sorry. That word is not allowed. <laughs> oh, no, you can call him whatever you want. Oh my god, I can't that's wait a to really go to an unoccupied space and just yell, "Hey, asshole!" <laughs> you guys are about a hundred yards from this village. What do you do? I'm terrified uh, because not only am I carrying a lot of technology, I am technology. <laughs> I don't know how those people are gonna react to me. Jake looks back, looks at the rest of looks at the rest of the group and says, um, let me just walk ahead a little ways. And um so Jake takes down the path by himself. Look, here's the thing, y'all. Jake ain't armed. Jake did not bring his stun gun. This is a, this is not a mission that he feels like he's gonna go get in a fight on. Now I know that we're playing a game, and I know that we're probably gonna have to get into a fight. But Jake doesn't know that. Jake thinks this is a, a just a um you know, anthropological sort of visit. So he strolls down the path cautiously, hat slung low, hands in pockets, just sort of looking ahead. Does anybody go with Jake, or are you letting him make introductions on his own? What are you doing, Raquel? I'm, I'm uh... Raquel is letting Jake take the lead, but is like, I don't know measurements of distance, so is 200 feet a thing? I'm a distance behind him, but I'm still trying to move towards the area. So everybody is about 300 feet from the village. Jake is going right in. You want to be within earshot? Kind of, yeah. Okay, so we'll say like 30 feet. Okay. You're outside of the circumference of the, the little village. Nobody's seen you. You're still in trees and brush, but you're close enough that you can see what Jake is doing and you can hear his conversation. That's what I want. Hagen? Staying behind, again, so I'm not trying to force you into the village. I'm just making sure letting Jake do the introductions is what you want. I guess before Jake goes, I, I want to be sure to say to him, uh, could you prepare them for the startling event they're about to see when... A person made of technology brings a kind of a dog made of technology. I don't want to be burned at the stake again. Jake Jake just says very matter of factly, if um if you have to stay here, you have to stay here. And that's it's nothing against you, Hagen, but if they can't handle you being there and we have stuff to do in here, then you may have to sit this one out, pal. If you need assistance I'll call asshole. Please fire a shot into the air. Fire! <clears throat> or yell. Or, or I, I would... Jake, just yell. I I am not speaking verbal help. help. I am speaking... Oh. If shit goes south, as Jake says, sometimes I'm sure. I, I, I say that from time to time, I suppose. You just... You look like the kind of person to say that. 
Jake is speaking, Jake walks away. Jake just walks away. <laughs> he walks away and he walks towards the village. Sixty-three percent of people with your bone structure say shit heads south, and and with your dialect as well. It, and Jake just sort of like, he yeah. just like waves his <laughs> hand behind him. It's not ugly. He doesn't flip him off or nothing. He just waves his hand like, thanks, bud. <laughs> and, and Raquel is like looking back and forth between you guys. And then she looks at you and goes, again? <laughs> I have been many places and not all of them are nice. The village is set up on a grid system. So you can see the the main road. Jake, do you do you want to just go in and announce you're there or do you want to flag someone down and introduce yourself to one person and let the the news spread? But what does entering the town look like? Is there a wall or is it just sort of become civilization? Yeah, it's it's just they they they're living in like a commune kind of area. There's not an okay, official okay, okay. gate, there's not walls. It's it's just Sure with nature so knowing how these sort of things happen in other cultures this is not a this is not a thing that he's never seen before the sort of commune style of living happens on almost all the uh, planets and almost all the cultures that he knows about so he knows that there's probably someone an overlooker of some sort um, you know about and so he starts kind of putting his head on a swivel you know just like looking to see who looks like they're walking around with authority who looks like they're walking around like they know what they're doing and and then also what do these creatures look like let me paint a picture for you as you walk into the village jake you are greeted by the noise of chores being done lumber being chopped buildings being repaired and people moving around and caring for one another you do see one person above the others physically sitting on a raised platform overlooking those around the village. People begin to notice you, but as they see you, they turn their faces to the person on the platform. You make a steady pace through the streets, with voices becoming hushed around you every step you take. You make it to the end of the street as the person on the platform descends the steps to meet you. This creature looks extremely similar to those around them. They're smaller than you, Though not tiny, maybe a hair over four and a half feet tall. Their head is more bulbous than a human, but it has a flat ridge that seems to separate the eyes from the mouth. And that ridge circles their entire head. On that ridge are long strands of frilled hair or tentacles you're unable to tell even from a short distance. Their very slender body is held up on legs that Jake would probably recognize as being close to a flamingo or ostrich legs having reversed knee joints and clawed toe feet. On top of this creature's head, it looks like they're styled hair, but when you look closer, it looks more like porcupine quills that are, are laying flat. And they bristle as they put their three-fingered hands out to grasp your own. We've been waiting for you. Your coming has been a thing of legend for generations, though <laughs> I must say, we did not expect to be the ones to meet you. The fingers on their outstretched hands are knuckled, but they seem like they could double as a crab-like claw if needed. The creature looks up into your face. What is your name, Seeking One? Um, and, and Jake says, um, You know, not everything is always as it seems. Who do you think we are? 
the creature looks directly up into your face and says, You are those looking for our protection, the ones we have set our wills to help. Jake um, Jake takes his hat off, um, brushes his hair out of his face, um, looks back at his teammates, um, smiles, and when he does, he starts looking like a person again. And um, when he turns his back to the team and 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 um, towards the uh, towards the fellow there, um, he raises a hand in greeting and he says, "My name is Jake. What's your name?" The creature in front of you gently grabs your hand with both of theirs, sandwiching yours between. My name is Parcel. Please come and be welcomed by our village seeking one. Using his knowledge of culture and like being there in the moment, Jake puts his other hand up against the other side of the guy's hand and says, my friends and I humbly accept your offer of protection. Long Errand is presented by Good Better Quest, a Final Plank Media production. Today's GM was Nolan Lacey. Players are David Hallman, Doug Holly, and Nicholas Snyder. Additional voices provided by David Tilstra of From Afar Podcast. Music provided by Kevin McLeod and TabletopAudio.com. As always, thank you for listening.